I would like to start my homily today with a question. But the challenge I want to pose for everyone is to not reflect on the question surface level, to not just reflect and give yourself the catechism question, the answer, or things that you've learned from religious education, but to dive deeper than that and to look deep down at your intentions and what it really means to you. The question I would like to pose for us to begin to our reflection today is simply, why are we here? Why are we here? There could be so many different reasons why we're here. For some, it's because they have to be here. Because I have to fulfill a Sunday obligation. So I have to get my butt into a pew and fulfill that obligation. I come here just because I have to. I'm indifferent of everything around me. I don't care what I have to do here. I'm not going to participate in anything, but I'm going to just put my butt in the pew. For others, it's an opportunity to, for them to wear the nicest clothes. And then when they come up to communion or when they walk down the aisle before mass, kind of to strut their stuff and kind of hope how many people will look at me, will see me. For others, it's just a tedious task that they have to do to overcome, to take. For others, it's because the priest standing in front of them is entertaining, is fun. They, they preach very well or they, they tell me what I want to hear. And so therefore, I'm going to go attend every single Mass that priest has because he's just that great. Or I go to this Mass because it's good for me. I like the music. I like the people. Or I don't go to Mass because why isn't the church putting together a big concert where there's drums, there's guitars, it's a big light show, and yet we have to sit here and listen to this organ and sing Latin. Why does that matter? So the question again, my dear brothers and sisters, is why are you here? In all our readings today, it's a simple and very direct answer for us. The reason why we should be sitting here and the why we are here is a simple four-letter word. L-O-V-E. Love. We hear in our gospel reading today how Jesus was in, in the synagogue, a continuation from last week. He's read from the, the scroll of Isaiah, and he said this, this prophecy is coming to fulfillment. But yet everyone around them in the synagogue is questioning and asking, and we hear it today in our gospel reading. Isn't he Joseph, the son of Joseph, the carpenter? That statement is to ask if you're supposed to be honored in their homeland, you follow in the steps of your father. So for Jesus to show honor, to display honor, and to receive honor from society and those around him, he had to live up 
to the name of a carpenter. But that wasn't the reason. Everything he's been doing, everything he's been preparing for is out of love. We gather here today in this church to celebrate the Eucharist out of love. The idea and meaning behind a sacrament is an outward sign, a physical sign of an invisible reality. Let's start simply with the sacrament of baptism. Water is used. Fire is used. The meaning of baptism is for us to be washed away from original sin, washed from original sin, brought into a family marked as Christians, Christ-bearers, or even closer, the bearers of light to the nation. So what do we see at a baptism? We see water being poured over the child's head, a candle being lit from the paschal candle, the light of Christ, and then instructed and given to the parents and godparents in which they are told to hold this light and carry this light and let it burn bright in that child. For what? Because of love. God loves us. And we hear from our reading last week, we make a body of Christ where Christ is the head. To be a part of a family means a family, an entity of love an outpouring of God's grace, or to frame it differently, an outpouring of God's love. We gather at the Eucharistic table. Today we hear from the readings, which we hear and recognize God's love for the people of that time, from the Old Testament, from the letters of St. Paul, where the first communities were established, then we see how Jesus dealt with those issues of society and illustrated for us what is love. Then we get to the Eucharistic table. So now it's not about words anymore that we hear with our own eyes, but then we gather at the Eucharistic table to receive love itself made present to us through the body and blood of Jesus Christ. That's not it, my dear brothers and sisters. Now Jesus is on the altar. It's not separated from you or me. But that love is such a big outpouring that he has permitted you and I to come up and to take part and to receive him. To receive that love. And then what do we do? We consume and make that love a part of our daily life a part of us, and a part of who we are as human beings, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ. But the question St. Paul poses for us today in the continuation of last week, we're all bodies of Christ, we all as members, as Christian people, are part of the body of Christ. But how do we live? How are we loving each other? And how are we receiving that love? 
Because we living in this world today are lied to every moment of what love is. We hear from the Corinthian reading, it's a common reading that's used for weddings. Love is patient, love is kind. We hear it and it's like, oh, it gives us this hymn, this bubbly feeling inside, like, oh, this is so great. But if we look and analyze it in its context of the Corinthian, the situation that is occurring in Corinth, it's not as lovey-dovey as we think it is. It points to us what true love is. Because when Paul is writing to the community of Corinth, he's not writing to praise the community that they're loving, but he's sitting there pointing his finger at them and saying, you are Christians. You are people that have been baptized in the name of the Christ. You are his sons and daughters, and yet you are not loving. You embrace the meaning of love of the world. And if we read a couple chapters earlier, he lists out for us what those loves are that we're believing in. Things of the world, power, prestige, pleasure. That is what we think is love. And you may be sitting there like, oh, okay, Father. But look at your own lives. Look at our relationship with others. Do we come and encounter people because we love them truly? Or do we do it for beneficial gain? One of the big struggles of our society nowadays is pornography and masturbation. The reason why it's so prevalent in our society today is because pornography and masturbation tricks a human being into believing that is how I'm going to be loved. Because within the family, within society, there is no love. So when they see the, act, the conjugal act, they believe that they can get that love but yet they come to the realization they're alone by themselves, missing something, empty of something, which is love. And so they turn themselves to that, thinking that that's going to bring them happiness, that's going to bring them joy. But what happens is it brings them five minutes of pleasure, of contentment, and afterwards, they enter into a vicious spiral trying to figure out why they're not loved, why they don't feel loved. Because, my dear brothers and sisters, power, prestige, pleasure do not bring us love. True love is listed out in our reading, our second reading today. St. Paul lists out 15 different characteristics, 15 ways in love, how love appears. I just want to walk through a couple for us to really think about it. First one, love is patient. Okay. As husbands and wives, when you guys argue, 
easy is it to be patient? To listen to your spouse argue with you? To bring out these critiques, these things that you failed and have fallen short of? I can tell you, not even in the, in the life of a fit couple, even when it's just my brothers and sisters, or even when it's just people around in society, when they're in my face critiquing everything I do, it's not love that boils in me. The first thing that I would love to do is clinch my fist and punch him in the face. But what is that saying for us? Love requires sacrifice. Love requires dying to oneself. Love requires the betterment of the other over myself. Love is patient. Love is kind. Kindness sits on the generosity of your heart. Kindness requires us to not want what's best for us, but the betterment of someone else. Kindness requires us to give of ourselves to the other without counting cost. In a family as couples, we can easily say, I'm going to let my wife clean and work in the kitchen. Husbands, we then go home, sit on the couch, beer in hand, drinking. And yet wife is just doing all the work in the kitchen. And then once dinner is done, I'm going to just go back to doing what I just did before dinner. But how is that kindness? How is that loving? because we just made our own desires, our own wants, superior and better than someone else's. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is in and of all things. If Christ, if God created all things in the world, everything is filled with love, and calls us to love. But how are we doing with our mission of love? How are we living out that love? Because my dear brothers and sisters, the greatest gift that we give, that we're given, is love. We gather here today at the Eucharistic table because we need to be loved. We need to experience that love. And we need the graces so that we can be loving. That's why we're here. That's why we're gathered. Because once we leave the church today, we can then be loving at home. We can then show love at home and bring Christ's love to each other. But if we don't look at what love is truly 
and sit down with our reading from Corinthians today and learn what love is, we're going to lose this greatest gift, this gift that God has given each and every one of us. The gift and the reason why we're here, why salvation history has occurred, and why we're doing what we're doing. Amen.